Well, as you know, we are in a series together called Ruth, a redemption story. And if you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to be continuing on in this unfolding true story of how God showed his redeeming love to the person of Boaz, to a Jewish widow named Naomi and a foreigner by the name of Ruth. And when we pick up the story, Ruth is coming back from gleaning in the fields of Boaz. She's bringing back a largesse of grain and her mother-in-law is shocked by the amount she comes home with and it sets the story for showing Yahweh's greatness. Here's where we pick it up in verse 17. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, this man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it'll be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and harvest and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I want to thank you today for this great truth and this unfolding story through these people who experience the love of God in a fresh and powerful way. It's the kind of love that you extended to all of us kind of love that is still saving people who believe and come under your wings to find salvation. I pray today, God, as you continue to unfold this story, that we'll hear your voice and it will draw all of us closer to you. And we'll thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. The power of kindness. You know, the uh, largest payout in U.S. lottery history recently went to a South Carolina man as a result of a random act of kindness. Now in this illustration, I'm not uh, advocating you play the lottery. I don't do it, I probably never will. Probably, I won't ever play it. And if you do, that's between you and God. But I'm not doing this so you'll go play the lottery. So I wanna make sure that's clear so I don't get letters this week. Anyway, this very kind man who chose to remain anonymous was standing in line at a KC Mart in Simpsonville, South Carolina last October 23rd when these super tickets were sold. He was waiting in line and the man behind him, apparently in a hurry, wanted to cut in. And so the man kindly let him step in front. To make a long story short, the man in front of him went up, bought his lottery ticket. The next man, the kind man, went up and bought his lottery ticket, which the next one, happened to be the one that won him $1.5 billion. 877784124 dollars after taxes. How much that guy wished he had never cut. Anyway. <laughs> you never know how something as simple as a display of kindness can make a difference 
in a person's life and future. It was a simple act of kindness on the part of Boaz that set life in a new direction for Ruth, for Naomi, for Israel, and for every one of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this was no random act of kindness. This was not an act of man alone. This kindness was a result of God's sovereign providence working through Boaz to accomplish God's eternal purpose. You see, this section of the story of Ruth is all about God's kindness displayed in Boaz, the guardian, the kinsman, redeemer. It says in Ruth 2, verse 17, Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Bless me the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. And the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, this man, or that man, is our close relative. He is one of our guardian, guardian redeemers. He has not stopped showing his kindness. That word kindness is a significant word. We've been learning about it for the last six weeks in our covenant series. It is the word has said. It is the word, the same word, for the covenant love of God, his special love that we learned all about in that series. Do you remember in the workbook, the covenant workbook? It said the Hebrew word used to describe the kind of affection God has for his people is hesed. This word captures God's everlasting love for his own people. It's the sacrificial, protective, intense love that God alone has for his own glory. This kind of love is distinct from other kinds of love. Hesed is the divine love of Yahweh that is rooted in who he is. But more than that, hesed has a very practical meaning. In Jewish ethics, hesed is the concept of the world as it's supposed to be. It's the ideal kind of life that God intended for his creation that was lost in the Garden of Eden because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve. This was the hesed love of God being displayed through Boaz to a Moabite foreigner named Ruth and her Jewish mother-in-law, Naomi. God, through Boaz, was demonstrating his very nature and showing Ruth the way life was intended to be when people came under the wings of Israel's God named Yahweh. And we are reminded in this section of Ruth that Boaz's kindness was a demonstration of the hesed love of God that would one day be fully revealed in our Redeemer, Jesus. How was God's hesed love revealed in Boaz's kindness? Simply in his kind provision for those ladies and also in his kind fulfillment in his role of kinsman redeemer. The hesed love of God was seen in Boaz's kind provision for the needs of Ruth and Naomi. I'd like to go back to chapter two, verse five to pick up the context. Ruth, a foreigner, is seen by Boaz gleaning in his fields. And he says in verse five, he asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? Notice it wasn't who is she, who does she belong to? The overseer replied, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. 
don't go and glean in another man's field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. And she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough, providing for the need. There was an article that appeared last year in the Washington Post about a high school custodian named Carolyn Collins from Tucker, Georgia and how her kindness made a difference for the students at her high school. In the article it said, Carolyn Collins was about to take out the trash in the early morning darkness when she heard a loud knock on the cafeteria door. She set down her garbage can and cracked the door. Two students, a boy and a girl, looked at her nervously. Can we please come in? Asked the boy, even though school didn't start for more than two hours. Me and my sister were getting tired of waiting outside. They said they'd been living in a car with their mother who had dropped them off early so that they could get ready for school in one of the restrooms. Collins felt her eyes fill with hot tears. The teens were hungry, and so she hustled up some fruit and milk and cereal. That was four years ago, the day she hatched a plan for a school giving closet. Food, clothing, shoes, toothpaste, shampoo, deodorant, and more, all free to any student at her school, Tucker High about 25 miles from Atlanta. Collins vowed to do whatever she could to help these kids. She told the Washington Post, high school is hard enough without being homeless. Collins immediately spent $200 of her own money on snacks, toiletries, socks, underwear, notebooks, and pencils. She told the administrators her plan and asked for some space at the school. After cleaning an old storage room near the cafeteria, Collins' giving closet was set up and running. Since 2014, any of the school's 1,800 students who are in need of items such as food, soap, school supplies, book bags, clothes, even prom wear, who may have been too embarrassed even to admit a need, can quietly approach Collins and she'll open the closet. And they can take whatever they need. Her school principal said she has such a giving heart, she is a beacon of light for every kid in need. 
You know, and I read that story of Carolyn Collins' kindness to the kids of her high school. I thought that's the type of generous provision to respond to human need that's a demonstration of the kindness of God's has said love. You know how we talk about the fact that all love is of God? Well, every time you demonstrate kindness like that, you are demonstrating the Hesed love of God, whether you know it or not. God is demonstrating that love through you. This is the kindness displayed by Boaz in response to the need of Ruth and Naomi. Boaz had heard about the kindness of this Moabite woman to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And Boaz recognized that whether Ruth knew it or not, she had come under the protection of Israel's God named Yahweh. So Boaz saw the opportunity to show this foreigner the true nature of the God of Israel. May you be richly rewarded by Yahweh, he told her. People, this is stunning. It is historically, culturally, spiritually, theologically stunning. Because Ruth was not just a foreigner. She was a Moabite. A race of people that the Israelites were, by law, forbidden to associate with. It was not a racial discrimination. It was a theological, religious one. It was called the Moabite exclusion. Not just because they worshiped the detestable false god of Chemosh, but because of their treatment of Israel when they came out of Egypt in the Exodus. You remember in Deuteronomy 23, verse 3, God said to Moses, No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even to the tenth generation. For they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam son of Beor from, the, from Pethor and Aram Naharim to pronounce a curse on you. Not only did they not provide for you, God's telling Moses, they sent this prophet out there to call down curses. Deuteronomy 23 verse 5. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. And yet here is this Jewish man demonstrating the Hesed love of God in his kindness to this forbidden Moabite. Boaz is showing Ruth. Yahweh, the God of Israel, is not some foreign false God under whose wings you've come for protection. This is Yahweh the living and the true God who provides for all living things. He is a forgiving God, a good God, a generous God. Yes, your people did not provide for Yahweh's people when they came out of Egypt. But now Yahweh through his people are gonna provide for you. Which prompted Ruth to respond with her face to the ground, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz is demonstrating to Ruth this favor is from God. It's all of grace. God is providing for you, Ruth, as he does for all who come to him by faith. And what a provision it was. We don't have time today to develop all of this, but it was a provision of protection. That as long as she was there, he had commanded the men not to harm her, but to take care of her. It was a provision of acceptance. In verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. To eat a meal like that in that cultural setting was a sign of acceptance 
and friendship and relationship, which is part of the reason Jesus instituted a meal called communion in which those of us who are friends with God and who have relationship with God and are in, in living with God, we come to have a meal with him at the time of communion. But it was also a provision of generosity and caring. In verse 15, as she got up to glean after the meal, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. You see, the poor, by Mosaic law, were to be allowed to glean on the edges of the field. That's why any landowner, any farmer, was not to glean all the way to the edges, why he wasn't to take all the grapes off the vines. He was to leave some so that the poor of the community could come and find food to eat. It was God's provision for them. And God would bless the landowners. Well, Boaz did a lot more than that. He ordered the men to allow Ruth to glean in the heart of the field. And not only that, they were to drop some stalks for her to make it easier to pick up. The average worker working for Boaz as a harvester had a daily ration of one to two pounds of grain above their wages. Ruth went home with an ephah, over 30 pounds. And she had the leftovers from their lunch with Boaz. And when Ruth got home, her mother-in-law was shocked. Where did you glean today? <laughs> where, where did you work? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. Ruth, there is no way you're coming home with this much barley and wheat. There's no way. Somebody is showing you his favor. Who was it? Ruth tells her mother-in-law, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Naomi's response in verse 20, the Lord bless him, the Lord Yahweh, the I am who I am, the covenant-keeping God of Israel. He has done abundantly more than the law requires. He is providing for you. This is God's kindness. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. He has not stopped showing his has said love. The he in the construction of this sentence is significant because the he can refer to Yahweh. Yahweh has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. It can also refer to Boaz. Boaz has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. The meaning is clear. Yahweh through Boaz has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. God is doing this, Ruth. God is doing this. Ruth, you have gleaned in the fields of the covenant God of Israel, who is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is giving you this grain. Boaz is a type of Jesus, the ultimate provider. He is God in human flesh, Yahweh in human flesh. The very incarnation of the Hesed and the love of God and the kindness of God expressed to us. People, our sin separated us from God under a curse as much as anything that a Moabite could experience. 
That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. What, what hope did Ruth have of ever being accepted in Israel? None. What chance do you have, you and I have, for saving ourselves from our sin? None. We're dead in our transgressions and sins. Look at this. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We may not be worshiping the detestable god Chemosh like the Moabites, but we worship all kinds of detestable gods, including the god of self. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So were the Moabites. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his what? Kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Just like Ruth, we were foreigners, aliens, excluded, but brought into relationship with God through Christ, just as Ruth was. Ephesians 2, verse 11, Paul went on to say, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world, just like the Moabites. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is why Paul went on to tell his young understudy Titus in Titus 3, verse 3. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. When did the love of God and his kindness appear? In the person of Jesus, who saved us by his grace. You see, it's God who is the provider, which is why Boaz told Ruth in chapter 2, verse 12, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz is telling Ruth, it's not me who's providing this for you. God is providing this for you. He is the provider. That's why Paul told Timothy to tell the people not to put their hope in anyone or anything but God himself. We don't provide for ourselves. God does. Oh, yeah, we go to work. We do what we can. We save. We do all of those things. But even the ability to earn God told Moses, is the gift of God. That's why Paul told Timothy to tell the people in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Tell the rich that, Timothy. Well, who are the rich? That's you and me. 
If you own a car today, globally, you're in the top 5% of the world's wealthy if you own a car. 95% of the world population can't afford the car you're driving. That's why he told the Athenians in Acts 17, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You know what the Greek word for everything means? Everything. <laughs> this is the Hesed love of God, demonstrated in his kindness, providing for those, no matter what their past or how deep their sin, he provides for those who come to him in faith and obedience, not just in his kind provision. But the Hesed love of God was seen in Boaz's kind fulfillment of his role as kinsman redeemer. It says in verse 19 of chapter 2, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law, the one at whose place she had been working, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it'll be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. The importance of family. I was reading a piece that was uh, first shown on ABC News um, they said, researching your family tree can be a fun and rewarding hobby, but for one Minnesota man, it was a life-changing experience. Marty Johnson knew he was the product of two young college students who had a brief affair. Neither parent was prepared to deal with raising a child, so Marty was given up for adoption and grew up in a loving home in Minnesota. Years later, as an adult, he started digging through past records and got in contact with his birth mother. And then a letter arrived one day that said, Welcome to the Ogike dynasty. You come from a noble and prestigious family. The letter went on to explain that Johnson was next in line to inherit the position of village king and chief from his biological father, John Ogike, the current chief of the Obo of the Abo village in Nigeria. Johnson flew to Nigeria to meet his new family. He went from having no knowledge about any blood relatives to a noisy celebration in the whole village. There, was, there, there he was united with brothers, sisters, numerous aunts and uncles, cousins, and best of all, his father. You know, when I read that article, Marty Johnson was a part of a family bigger and greater than he even knew. That was true for Ruth. She was part of a family bigger than she ever knew by marrying into Elimelech's clan. And that's true for you and me. You and I are part of a family bigger and greater than we ever knew. We're part of a family made up of all peoples who have come to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Boaz 
was a family member of Naomi and Ruth and was about to show God's kindness by becoming their guardian, kinsman, redeemer. That's why in Ruth 2, verse 19, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. And Ruth tells her mother-in-law, the name of the man I work with today is Boaz. Verse 20, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. The guardian redeemer or the kinsman redeemer is a close relative who by law could preserve the family name of a deceased relative by redeeming or buying back their land, their debt, and providing care for the family members and providing an heir. Because if the family member who was the widow married the kinsman redeemer, any subsequent son that came from that union would now be the heir of the man who had died. So if Ruth and Boaz had a son, that son would now be the heir of Elimelech, Naomi's husband, and that inheritance would now pass to Elimelech's family and to Naomi. In Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, God said to Moses, if brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. The guardian redeemer, the kinsman redeemer, was in Hebrew called the goal, G-O-E-L, goal. It literally means the one who buys back. The responsibility of the goal was to avenge the death of a murdered relative, marry the childless widow of a deceased brother, buy back the dead man's property that had been sold, buy back family members who had sold themselves into slavery, and to look after needy or helpless family members. This was God's way of providing an heir for the families of Israel. This was the duty of the kinsman redeemer, but Boaz didn't perform this role out of sheer duty, but out of kindness, out of his love for Ruth and Naomi, because as we're going to learn later in chapter 3, Lord willing, Boaz didn't have an obligation at all to redeem them, because there was another man in Bethlehem, even closer, who had the first right to take Naomi and Ruth into his family. And Lord willing, when we get to chapter 3, we're going to see that Boaz easily could have passed off the responsibility to him and let it be. But he made a pledge to Ruth and Naomi that if this other man would not redeem them, he would. So Boaz tells Ruth to stay in his fields until the harvest was finished. Remember, they came at the beginning of the barley harvest, early part of April. And he said, now stay with my harvesters until it's finished, sometime in mid to late June. So stay with me six or eight weeks, Ruth. So Ruth stays. She and Naomi are provided for, and God sets the stage for the next step. As we shall see next week, God providentially works to bring Ruth to be Boaz's wife providing an heir for Naomi's dead husband, Elimelech. But more importantly, the son that would be born out of their union 
would not only be Elimelech's heir, but that child born to them would have a grandson whose name was David. And through David would come the line of the kings that would bring about their Messiah and ours, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. The one who is our kinsman, who is made like us, who came in human flesh to be one of us so that one day we could be made like him. He came to make us sons and daughters and to give us an inheritance. He became one of us to redeem us from the law and our slavery to sin, demonstrating to us the Hesed love in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Under the law of Moabite exclusion, Ruth could not be brought into the fellowship of Yahweh's family. But Boaz redeemed Ruth from that curse and by grace brought her into the family of Yahweh. This is exactly what Jesus has done for us. When Paul was writing about that incredible exchange, in Galatians chapter 3, he said in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Ruth was a despised Moabite Gentile, excluded from Israel and the promises. But, Paul said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law just as Boaz redeemed Ruth from the curse of the law and brought her into the relationship with God and Israel. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ. You remember the promise to Abraham? When we studied the Abrahamic covenant, God said, through you, all nations of the world shall be blessed. Even nations of people like Ruth, who by faith come under the wings of Yahweh and are saved and become members of God's family. This is why Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 3, verse 21, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. God did this. So that people like Ruth, people like you and me, people who are separate from God could find hope and forgiveness in a family in the kingdom of God. Just like Ruth, Paul wrote to the Ephesians about all of us in Ephesians 2, verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, just like the Moabites. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God has done this. He has saved us, redeemed us from the curse. He has brought us into God's family, and he's raised us up to live in relationship with God. As we're going to see in chapter 3, Boaz redeemed Ruth from the curse of that Moabite law. And he brought him into the family, brought her into the family of Yahweh. And as we're going to see, she is going to be lifted up to become his wife, to become one with him, and to live out their relationship together. Amazing what God has done. David Atkinson, who's a fellow and chaplain uh, for Christ College of Oxford, wrote, God's object in all this is expressed in Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 29. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. A new family has been created by the intervention of our great kinsman, Redeemer. We are adopted into God's family and so we are his children, children of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. And with us, the whole created order will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. So he wrote, Christ, our Goal, like Boaz for Ruth, is related to us, able and willing to redeem. As we think further on the way the author of Ruth sought to expound the meaning of redemption and to focus his readers' minds on the figure of the kinsman redeemer, we from this side of the cross can rejoice in God's provision in Christ for our redemption into a new family of his children, a new creation. Now we belong, we have been welcomed home, we have been given a future and a hope, a whole new family. As Pastor Phil taught us in week one, a glorious second family made up of brothers and sisters from all nations and best of all, a forever relationship with God our Father and Christ, his son, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, our comforter and our guide. The powerful impact of kindness. I was reading a piece that Brandon Cook wrote on a social media post for Panera Bread, explaining his gratitude of how they had reached out in kindness to his ailing grandmother in a New Hampshire hospital. This is simply what he wrote. My grandmother is passing soon with cancer. I visited her the other day and she was telling me about how she really wanted soup, but not hospital soup because it tasted awful, she said. No offense to the hospital cooks here today. She went on about how she would really like some clam chowder from Panera. Unfortunately, Panera only sells clam chowder on Friday. I called the manager, Sue, and told him the situation. I wasn't looking for anything special, just a bowl of clam chowder. Without hesitation, she said, absolutely. I'll make your grandma some clam chowder. And when I went to pick it up, they wound up giving me a box of cookies as well. It's not all that big a deal to most. But to my grandma, it meant the world. I really want to thank Sue and the rest of the staff from Panera in Nashville, New Hampshire, just for making my grandmother happy. Thank you so much. Within days, that short post received more than 800,000 likes. More importantly, more than 35,000 people took the time to write a brief Facebook message com commending the bakery. The authors 
of the 2014 book, A World Gone Social, tells the story. They, they wrote the rest of the story like this. The next quarter, Panera's same-store sales increased 28%. The quarter after that, same-store sales were up 34%. Sure, they said, there's no way of providing or proving that this was a direct result of the Facebook post. But the rapidly spreading goodwill generated by one person performing one moment of kindness amplified nearly a million times over and certainly had a significant effect. You know, when that lady, Sue, decided she was going to make a bowl of clam chowder for a dying woman in a Nashville hospital, she had no idea of how that one little act of kindness would impact millions of people. Boaz could have had no idea how much is kindness to a foreign Moabite named Ruth would be amplified billions of times over and have such a significant effect. So powerful an effect that it reached all the way to me and helped me to know that I have a Redeemer. And his name is Jesus. Boaz could not have known all that. But God knew. And see, that's why when you and I demonstrate acts of kindness in the name of the Lord, we have no idea how God's going to use all of that to make a difference. But God knows how he's going to use that to make a difference. Boaz's kindness led to the ultimate display of kindness in the Lord Jesus, our great provider and our great kinsman redeemer, who redeemed us from the curse of the law, brought us into God's family, and made us his own. So I just have two questions today to close. Number one is this. Have you come under the wings of Yahweh by faith to believe that you have a redeemer named Jesus who loves you and gave his life for you? and died on a cross to pay for your sin, to redeem you from the curse so that you could be given eternal life, join God's family, and live forever with him? Or are you still living under the curse because you didn't know, just like Ruth? That, that door is open for you to come today. And the second question is this. If you have come under the wings of Yahweh, if you have come under Christ and been redeemed, saved by his grace and tremendous sacrifice out of his Hesed love for you, are you now living your life in such a way that the Hesed love of God is showing through your life and the kindnesses you demonstrate every day and the multitude of opportunities that God gives us in the simplest of things? For someone who's estranged from God because of their sin and still trapped in the law might be able to see that kindness and be drawn into that and discover it isn't you, it's him. And to be able to come to know this Christ who's the ultimate provider and the ultimate redeemer. People, this is the message of Ruth, that God in Boaz was revealing his provision and his kindness. He's the kinsman redeemer that ultimately would one day be fully revealed in the person of Jesus, that all nations might come to bow before him and experience the hesed, kindness, love of God. Father, it's amazing what you've worked and continue to work in us and through us for your glory. And I pray today, God, for those who are here 
But if they have never entered into this wonderful relationship, that they may open their hearts to you by faith. And for those of us, God, who have known you for some time, can you help us to remember that the simplest acts of kindness can be used by God to lead millions to the Lord. And we thank you, God, for this reminder today in Jesus' name. Amen.